0: Okay, so I'm starting to get a significant number of people message me to see if we're alive. Or people mad at you. And they're also messaging to see if we've broken up. <laughs> and then I have to explain we're not in a goddamn <laughs> domestic partnership, as much as it feels like it sometimes. As much as
1: I call you my partner. So So where have we been? Uh, I've been on uh, what I can only describe as a mini, mini emphasis on mini sabbatical. And I took three weeks off for the first time ever I think the first time I've taken longer than a week and also not touched my like work stuff. Mm. And that was weird. I spent the first week with existential dread that I wasn't doing things. And I spent the second week enjoying being off. And I spent the third week with existential dread that I'm behind on the things that I should be doing when I get back. And uh, it was great. I loved it. Ten out of ten would recommend. You should do that. I plan to. And
0: uh, I should explain. Part of the reason that I've been off the grid on social media has been that you you had said you wanted to be off the work stuff and then I realized you know <laughs> LinkedIn and Instagram is kind of work stuff. So I need to lay off it so that you're not pulled into it. So it's been a, a little bit of a a little bit of a famine. A fast. Let's say we, we were juice barring
1: our, we, we our were content. juice we were juice barring. Uh Q, the boys are back in town. I'm Ace Callwood. And I'm Scott Wing. And this is on recorded radio. Wow. Okay, so we're uh, we are in our soon to be former home, Canvas. Yeah, recording. this is probably the last recording from Canvas Studios. That's weird.
0: Otherwise know. known as the life raft. These are the three, the three dilapidated buildings that, when the pandemic hit, we through YouTube <laughs> and Wikipedia <laughs> learned very quickly how to do remote media. Yeah. and turn this place into into studios. Very, very spaced out. Yeah. People working in courtyards in different parts of the building. So it, it saved us, literally saved us. And now it's time to move on. And, um, you know, we talk about right-sizing. Mm-hmm. We're a tight team. Yeah. And we had talked about um, reducing, because we have three buildings here that we'd reduce to something smaller. And Stinson did point out over the past month we've acquired three separate buildings. <laughs> 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 They're just dispersed. just dispersed. They're just dispersed. Yeah. We're really, five minutes away from each other. So, um, yeah, the the real estate ego apparently hasn't gone. So, yeah, I love this place. This the the walls are falling down, but the walls were always falling down. Yeah, um, it, it's going to be very strange being in a space where the floors are straight. I'm not sure I'll be able to walk steadily. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We we got our sea legs. It's going to be hard to be on
1: uh, steady land.
0: But hey, coming back to uh, y- your sabbatical. Yeah. Um, just a plug for Alan Dow's book um, about the six types of fatigue and thriving. I think we're going to reissue it this this holiday season. Yeah. Uh, but but sure. all about so his six types of fatigue: social, mental, uh, inactivity. What else? What else is in the mix? Uh, social, mental, spiritual. There's two others I'm going to think of it emo- emotional, but d- c- could you relate to those as you were off? Yeah, I when you um, went off. You're kind of on when, when you were off work. Yeah, yeah when I
1: uh, when I was off, I, I think the the purpose fatigue, uh, uh, particularly as Alan talks about it, and like figuring out what one does. Um, I think for me, it was time and space to explore why I do what I do and to corroborate quite a bit. like I happened to get to, (laughs) I was explaining to somebody when they were like, "Um, hey, are you ready to go back to work? And I was like, "Uh, yes. One, I would love to be independently wealthy and not have to work. And two, even if I were independently wealthy and didn't have to work, this is the work I would do. And space to know that that's the answer and like, if I've gotta go back to a place, I know exactly where I'm going and I wanna be there. Like That I think was, I'm not sure I could have said it like that before I went. You know, it, and and to be able to come back and be like, yep, okay, this is where I should be and this is what I should be doing. Uh, the recalibration and just grounding around purpose I think was really, really important. Um, and that's one of six types of fatigue. I also slept for like three days <laughs> um, and I knocked out three seasons of Gilmore Girls. And so I think like the physical and probably some social fatigue given the way we've been traveling, um, I think was real for me to, to properly rest and unplug and uh, and not for a little bit.
0: May May I share and us laugh at sort of how um, sort of off the rails we had become in that sense. So we mm-hmm. sat down on Tuesday and we sat on that park bench. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I could see people across the way going, "Oh, they didn't break <laughs> up. They're back together again. They've they, they've been through therapy and their marriage is back." And uh, one of the things you said is like, "Yeah, so look, I, I sort of like, it was a great conversation." I was like one of them was. Um, yeah, so i just think that you know every few months i should just take a week off and recharge and stuff and i i just think i should do that <laughs> and i was i was like yeah this this is this is what in europe we call holiday and in america we call vacation where we're just like yeah just you yeah. mean being normal that, yeah. That, yeah that thing didn't that, occur to me that that's like a thing people do with regularity <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what for happens. a reason there we go most people just they live for that because they hate their Day-to-day work jobs. Yeah, Yeah, we're we're lucky on that front. Yeah, that we are. All right, let's come on to um, as we're talking about moving spaces. Let's come on to our involuntary sponsor of the week. So this week's involuntary sponsor of the week is Aransi. Aransi make air filtration systems for the home. And I would like to say that I had said a few weeks ago that we could never be bought for a sponsorship of this <laughs> and I sold out. But let me explain why we sold out because nobody's actually purchased a sponsorship. You can't do that. We are moving locations and I texted the chief operating officer of, of Arancy that I happened to have crossed paths with uh, a couple of years ago and said, Hey, what, how would you solve for this, for this air filtration problem? Mm-hmm. And the next day, that landed at our location it was huh. a brand new state of the art Aransi filter. No n- nothing was asked for it. It was just it was beautiful. So so Ben thank you so much and if you're in the business to filter the your home its yeah. air quality or your office go to what i presume is aransi.com o r a n s i and ben thank you very much. And of course this is the worst sponsorship because <laughs> this is the most
1: unfiltered <laughs> content
0: ever so we probably will be sued by Arancie for for even mentioning their name on this podcast.
1: All right, I uh, There we go. I'm going to I'm going to throw a a sponsor in as someone who had to listen to my bullshit twice this week. Uh my man Charlie from the AV company. So I was I was I'm back on the road. Um I went to Arizona. Um Arizona Society of CPAs, and then I was in uh, Detroit with Michigan Association of CPAs this week. Are <laughs> doing the accountant tour? I, I am. Look, I'm big in the CPA world. Uh, but Charlie, who runs AV, was my AV guy in Phoenix, Arizona. And then I walk into the room in Detroit, <laughs> Michigan, and Charlie is also there. And we weren't sure. We weren't sure, and of course, like, two, I don't know, competent adults, we didn't talk about it. And then afterwards, I came off stage, and he goes, hey man, how's Arizona? I was like, I knew you looked familiar. Turns out, as soon as he saw my content, he's like, oh, I've seen this guy, I like this guy. And so, uh, yeah. Orancy for filtering things out and Charlie for not filtering things out and making sure I was crisp as I spewed to the masses. So look, you love music.
0: You love music. I do. You play guitar amongst other instruments. And there is no doubt that in your youth, if not still today, you have deep dreams about playing concert venues and having your road crew, your roadies come with you sub. Did you ever (laughs) imagine it was going to be Charlie? (laughs) <laughs> to the CPA <laughs> conferences across the country.
1: No, I didn't. So, do you ha- do you have a map now of the CPA associations you want to speak at? Uh, no, I'm actually b- I have a map of the places I've been. I'm putting pins in the map, and so we've got uh, for G- VSCPA, love those guys. ASCPA, MICPA, and uh, I'm adding more to the list. Um, American Association of Marketing. Is on the list as well, Look, oh, we've of got accounting, a marketing,
0: yeah. accounting yeah. marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but I love this because if I said to you, would you rather like do like a 500 person concert where people are listening to your music, or you get to teach accountants how to advocate and beat the sales guys and make their case and yeah. and work with AI? Like you would so choose the latter. You're such Every a time, nerd. yeah. It's yeah. well, such a nerd.
1: All right, let's go on to what's happening in our world. So, to Zeitgeist. Don't. Uh, the casino.
0: Can, uh, do you oh, in local
1: news. Yeah, Should in local news. I, I was going to say, do you want to yeah, ground that right. for people? not for I'll
0: set the scene and then you can talk about the controversial stuff. Ah, here we yeah, go. So so uh, we had a referendum in the city of Richmond uh, last week, earlier this week, on election day. So Virginia has off-cycle um, elections. And so there was a big election on Tuesday. You'll have read about it in the national press as it relates to sort of the swings between Republicans and Democrats. But locally, there was a referendum on... Um, whether to approve a casino on the south side of Richmond as a sort of regional destination for gambling. This is the second time the referendum had been run, the first time it was voted against. Mm-hmm. And the argument was when they looked at the voting demographics was it was overwhelmingly voted against in the neighborhoods that did not were not close to the location of the casino and overwhelmingly voted in favor by the neighboring. Localities. Yeah. So, the kind of opposite of what you might expect, it, it happens that those those neighborhoods are significantly lower income than the others, and over-index African American relative to white. So, so, the
1: the neighborhoods close to where the casino yeah. was proposed to be, uh, generally lower income and then they voted for it and the areas of the city that are more affluent voted against the casino
0: and the outcome of well let's just be clear the mayor was very much in favor of it mayor stoney mm-hmm. who politico wrote yesterday that he's that he's running for governor mm-hmm. um so mayor stoney was very much in favor of it the the or the company that was going to manage the casino is Uh, A black woman-owned business black woman led business as well we will talk about her in a moment and it it is said that up to 10 million dollars was spent on sort of the promotional activities by the casino to try to get it approved the outcome of the vote was that it was uh, voted again voted down it was a no vote and the same voting patterns occurred in the second referendum as as we would say in a in a British uh, School exam. Discuss. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anybody British listening, they're traumatized by that phrase because you you get this long paragraph and then it just says discuss and you have to make your argument. Yeah.
1: So um, this has been messy. It's been divisive um, in in Richmond. And I've seen folks on both sides of the aisle talk about all of the reasons we should or shouldn't have a casino. And I think what it boils down to for me and there are a lot of pieces i think there are a lot of red herrings that have been thrown into the conversation whether or not the mayor's for it and what he's trying to get done uh, how much money kathy hughes who um who, who was is behind uh, the casino and would be one of the the major investors um founded radio one i think second uh, richest black woman in the country after oprah uh, there are a lot of reasons folks are opposed and and quite a bit center on gambling and, and some moral outrage at having a casino or that it's predatory. Um, and all I'd say is the communities who were poised to uh, benefit perhaps most from the casino, um, the black, uh, lower income communities that would be in proximity to the casino were in favor of the casino particularly as they're in a part of the city that has historically been underserved and overlooked. And I think at some point we have to decide um, for the well-meaning white folks who decided that the black folks shouldn't have the casino that they said they wanted, who are we protecting and what does that look like? And uh, I find it ironic that the the same people who have decided my body, my choice, are deciding for another community that it's not your wallet and it's not your choice. And that to me feels hypocritical. Um, so that's perhaps a pointed way of saying that. And there are pieces around that. I think Kathy Hughes and some of the inflammatory statements that have been made, um, similarly along racial lines, if Kathy Hughes decides that somebody might get called a house nigger, that's not anybody but the black community's thing to be offended by. So I, I think there were a lot of well-meaning, uh, we know better than, and, and that to me feels patronizing at best um, and deeply problematic at worst. And uh, without going into it, I think at some point we'll have a longer conversation about political divides and how I see communities orienting to the underserved, the underprivileged, and what protection looks like for them. So this is
0: a local issue, but it, it yeah. replicates across the country. It does. Right? It's. It's. Uh, I was in a presentation yesterday at uh, UNOS, which is the the organization that that coordinates organ transplant in the United States. And there was, they have a research division, and they were presenting around what data sets you use to look at equity in terms of organ distribution. And def- the really fascinating part was was the data set that you select and how it affects the outcomes of the studies. Um, including the vulnerabilities of zip codes. Mm-hmm. And we often use zip code and analytics for a whole raft of things. Um, and, and one of the team, she was terrific, reminded us that the zip, co- zip codes are designed not around communities, but around the most effective way to deliver mail. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but we have sort of become very dependent upon sort of these categories. And of course, with the politicization of, of districting and o- those sorts of things, like how one selects the pool for mm-hmm. who decides what, um beyond uh that. The uh, the other thing that I observed was and and this parallels with what we've seen going on um in Israel-Palestine. It's just how informed the uninformed the the opinion makers are. Um in this case, one of the things I enjoyed doing was anybody who had a vociferous opinion about the casino in favor or against, we yeah. simply say, Can you tell me where it's going? Mm. And they'd say, well, South side. Well so actually the south of Richmond is bigger than the north of Richmond, which culturally I'm not sure Richmond is wrapped their head around. Uh, I say as a proud south of the river living individual. But nobody could actually tell me where it was. <laughs> but I had very vociferous views about whether it was good or not. Um and I you know my last post I think on LinkedIn before you forced me on a famine of what do you accuse me of doing using LinkedIn like Twitter? Like Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like X before you formally Formerly known as Twitter. Know, it X. So that before you forced me on my famine the last post i had was just sort of distress around people not knowing the c- just the most basic you know information about the situation in that part of the world the most basic before expressing an opinion and i'm not expecting people to n- know things in depth but i had an incredible number of people mm. make a comment to me and i i'd laid out sort of four questions yeah like Think about whether you can answer these four questions before you express a forceful opinion on this. And would, and the number of people who said, actually, I couldn't answer a single one of them, yet I had posted an opinion or mm. I had supported something. And look, whichever way the casino goes, I don't think it's really a dramatic significance for the city itself. But I do think this this lay, these two themes of, when we say communities decide, how do you define those communities? And when you talk about... Um, having an opinion on the issue? Are we pausing for, it? We, we talk about sort of agreeing in a, disagreeing in a reasonable way, mm-hmm. but maybe the step before that is like, we just have a, a base level of, of knowledge about some of the objective facts before we go wading in. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm so excited, we don't have objective facts anymore, we have AI, <laughs> we have generative
1: <laughs> AI. Why would we worry about that? Hey, fake news, fake news. Uh, you did post something before we move on from yeah. this about uh, flights to Vegas. Oh, after the vote,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so after the after the results came out, um, I um, uh, I, and maybe I was just doing this to cheer up the mayor. I'm, mm-hmm. I suspect Levar doesn't look at my social media stream at all. Probably not. But it was, um, it was obviously a rough week. The, but I posted. I'm looking forward to um, at the west end of the city protesting the direct flights to Las Vegas. So in, I was just looking it up in March of this year. Everybody was celebrating that Breeze Airways had come to Richmond Airport and was offering direct flights amongst other places to Las Vegas. And those flights, I see those flights, are packed with the very people who don't think that a casino belongs in the city to fly and drop money. Apparently it's the amount of money you gamble, not what you gamble. uh,
1: And uh, yeah, I mean, textbook nimbyism, quite literally, you can fly to go. It's not that we're opposed to gambling unless my opposition to gambling can make a case for why we shouldn't have a casino. Uh, sure okay shall we go to tank radio on on the observation of veterans day
0: yeah so uh, let's do a little education around this because i think people are confused and and actually i'm going to make my case for memorial day okay yeah so veterans day is tomorrow in the united states it's always the 11th of november um in the UK, we have Remembrance Sunday, which is always the Sunday closest to the 11th. It's the 11th of November because the armistice in World War One was the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. That was when fighting mm. ceased. And so that's why the 11th is meaningful. But they're different. So Veterans Day celebrates everybody who has served who has in served. the armed forces, right? whether in combat or not. Um, Remembrance Day in the UK is much more like Memorial Day, which it's it's remembering <laughs> those who passed in conflict, um, and of course Memorial Day here is that it is about those who have who um, lost their lives in conflict. Mm-hmm. And we forget Armed Forces Day, which exists in both countries, which is a celebration of those people currently serving. We don't make, make uh-huh. such a big deal about that. But uh-huh. Armed Forces Day in both countries, I don't think they're on the same day. Um, but I do worry about Memorial Day in the United States because it's it's sort of become associated with it is the start of summer. Start of summer, and hamburgers. It's and more associated with hamburgers and, and uh, yeah, opening the pools. Yeah. So I, I, in some ways, I would sort of flip the mm-hmm. dates of Veterans Day with Memorial Day mm-hmm. and make Memorial Day this sort of somber thing, which... Which aligns with many other countries doing a similar thing, and then Memorial Day you're sort of celebrating veterans and and yeah burgers and stuff. Interesting, right.
1: yeah. I'm I'm sure. Sure. I Go ahead and consider. The show sure Congress is
0: listening to me <laughs> and thinking about changing those dates. No, but right the, now.
1: the objectivity of the Brit observing American culture and just like why would you do it that way? I had never considered. Memorial Day is when you open the pool, right? And uh, like, and this is. I'm a military brat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no you're <laughs> <he's laughs> surrounded by My military. family yeah. have grown up on bases yeah. etc. and to be like, "Oh, yeah, you're yeah, absolutely right." And if you look at
0: your friends who serve in the military, you'll see their sort of postings in the run-up to Memorial Day, which is, "Oh, please, can mm-hmm. we just take 2 minutes to mm-hmm. actually sort of Yeah, yeah so I would flip them. I, I would I would make it in November. Yeah. So I'm sh- I'm sure that everybody's listening to me and will make that case. There we go. So, as we're talking about conflict, you know, there's the big question of do we touch the Israel-Palestine issue? Mm-hmm. I would say for this week, no, Mm -hmm. other than to encourage people to watch the information war that's going on and Mm. that, um, what used to be called psyops, psychological operations, psychological warfare is now so fundamental to every party, whether you think about Russia and Ukraine or Israel and Hamas and the role that Palestinians play in that, um, just, just watch it. It's worth observing.
1: Yeah. I CNN's, think uh, CNN's getting battered right now for some biased reporting, and New York Times has had a couple people resign, and it's, I mean, th- th- there's a very real information war layered on top of the the actual conflict happening, uh, and I think we're seeing two very related but distinctly different things play out right now, and, th- and that... Probably from twenty fifteen, like the the run up to that presidential election, uh, we're seeing the long tail of really the same conversation. How are we reporting? What are we reporting? What is journalism today? And can we make the distinction between editorialized uh, quote news unquote and real reporting? And yeah, so yeah, yeah. And look, I'll, I I would also encourage people to. Um,
0: to watch Al Jazeera English, I mm. think Al Jazeera was labeled in the United States as sort of a um, an enemy tool during the, the Iraq war. Yeah. Um, some of its reporting is really, really very solid. Um, there's a slight difference between what Al Jazeera reports in Arabic and what it reports in English. Um, but yeah, much is made of the ownership um, by the government of, of Qatar, uh, which is generally, a, is a big funder of um, of Palestine, and Palestinian causes. Mm. Um, but there's a, it, I think it's, it, it's a good thing to watch in, um, in amongst other things. I do think as an American, you s- need to start worrying about who is leading media in the United States. Yeah. Um, Mark Thompson, the Brit, is now the new CEO of CNN. There's another Brit has just taken over, she's just taken over the Wall Street Journal and a third from the Daily Telegraph who's coming over too. So I, I would worry less about AI and more about English folk creeping in. We did uh, build the
1: wall. We, we kind of joke. I mean, build the th- paywall. There was a time when I went to BBC to get the objective reporting about American happenings, right? Because it just was. It was here is what the Americans are doing today, and and I found that that tended to be tended to feel right across the globe. And then you layer in colonialism and bias and all of those pieces. It it gets murkier. But knowing where our sources. Knowing where our news is coming from is important, and I don't think we spend a lot of time there. Myself included, that's a reminder, not an indictment. Um, We'll talk about the BBC some other time. It's
0: struggling, but that's a different story. All right, tools for tools. Play the Sting. I'm a little disappointed at how, how much people have embraced the tools for tools thing. <laughs> Again, lots of people comment on it. And there's there's no question. It is not intended that we are the tools. It was a joke about the people receiving these things, but that is not how it's being interpreted. So <laughs> on that <laughs> note, what are we learning this from week? the tools? What are we, what are we learning we? this week? Uh,
1: yeah, so uh, in in lead into the tool I actually want to get to, I sent you a newsletter this week yeah. from Will Gadara, um, uh, uh Wrote unreasonable hospitality. Um, it just, just a, a restaurateur through and through, a writer and hospitality guru. And he's got a newsletter called Premial. This is not necessarily a plug for the newsletter. I just subscribed. But the welcome, um, the welcome email as I subscribed to Premial was talking about what a pre-meal is in the hospitality world. And and this is coming from someone who has not worked in hospitality. Uh, cue all of the elitist comments that will come through our inboxes. I haven't. But having a bunch of buddies in that <laughs> I don't world think
0: it surprises anybody that you have not waited. Oh, fuck off. No.
1: I <laughs> yeah. Fair um, no, but, but from all of my buddies who have, pre-meal is, is the grounding meal before one starts service and the way the Wilgadera talks about it is that it's often used for information that could have been shared via another medium so hey here are the specials here are the wines we have so on and so forth like that could be a note or an email that goes out and what he says he uses pre-meal for in his institutions is to remind people why we're here what we do what our foundation is to give an experience to the people who come join us in these places and for as much as you rolled your eyes at the newsletter i sent you uh, i'm going to make the point that i think you're more aligned with Okedara than you want to be
0: so yeah his argument is you give the like this little inspiring vignette isn't it
1: now, i see you're you're already twisting that so you don't <laughs> have did, to agree with it on that.
0: so so there is a venn diagram maybe we should publish this there's a venn diagram of Oh, things that Ace and Scott think are cool. There's a there's a, where Ace and Scott just don't get it and think it's ridiculous. And there's a Venn diagram where Ace thinks this is awesome and Scott thinks it's utter bollocks. Cue away <laughs> suitcases from an episode a few weeks ago. And this you sent this through late last night, and I'm like, oh, I know which part of the Venn diagram this goes in. The the pre-meal meeting, like the, the, the we're a little inspirational talk. Also, I think I think this sabbatical might go down in um, the three weeks when Ace Caldwell got soft. You, prior prior to this sabbatical, you were like, that's what the money's for. <laughs> like, just do the work, what are you talking? Now we're like, oh, so we're gonna do the pre-meal and we're all we're just gonna do a little inspiring story before we all get to work. If you start behaving like this, Alex Pryor is gonna think you've been kidnapped and a body double's been brought in because he's
1: like, where's Ace, where's Ace? Look, I I read this thing, and I was like, I wonder what a pre-meal for us would look like. And then I immediately said, F that, for what it's worth. I was like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. But what I like and what I think you'd agree with... no, what I know you agree with, because we fight about it, (laughs) um, most restaurants hold a version of this meeting. Unfortunately, a lot of them wasted by discussing matters better communicated via email. New menu items, new wines by the glass. Logistics, like when health plan enrollment begins and ends. And you have... Uh, you rant about meeting agendas, rightfully so, but regularly, rant about meeting agendas in what is this meeting for, why are we here, and are we spending, particularly when it comes to standing meetings, which this is. When's the last time you had a standing meeting on the, I on don't the calendar? I do You don't believe in standing meetings. I think you and Will there are aligned in that if we are to have a standing meeting, let's make it fruitful and let's make it um, about the tangible things that help us do better work, not the logistical pieces that could have been communicated
0: otherwise. That's, I think, the point I'm making. I'm going to concede some ground here. Okay. I get you. Because okay. I do I do think, to channel another person whose work I don't love, Malcolm Gladwell, who occasionally says smart things, <laughs> one of the things he talks about is that um, uh, digital meetings are logistically efficient mm-hmm. and emotionally inefficient, and in-person meetings are the opposite of that. And yeah. for any meeting, I think having a structured agenda, which is why are we doing this? And we have a template for this that we'll put in the newsletter. Why are we doing this? What are the what are the roles and expectations of the people in the meeting for that meeting? Not their job title, but you know, Cindy is here to talk about the tax implications of this transaction. John is here to talk about the janitorial services during this yeah. event, right? Uh, all of those sorts of things. But that, but that there is actually a section for connection at the front, and you've got to come up with an excuse for it, because if you put connection for the first five minutes of the meeting, everybody's yeah. going to show up at five minutes past the hour. Um, but but is that time just to weld a little bit, check in with each other? So yes, it's yes, it's one of those. Do you know why I think I had a negative reaction to it? Because uh. I've never heard of Will Gadara, and I just assumed he was a mate of yours, <laughs> and therefore you loved it. <laughs>
1: That's hurtful,
0: Scott. Hey, while we're talking about Tools for Tools, let's just do a quick plug for the transformative leadership development program that is coming up. It's kicking off in December in uh, Washington, D.C. Actually, Arlington, Virginia. Yeah. We'll be at the Northeastern University campus. If you are a leader or emerging leader in state government, you can apply for this program. There are already, I think, I'm looking at V, maybe eight or nine different states have people contributing to the cohort. Mm -hmm. This is your time to to sign up. Uh, We'll put the note in the newsletter, but I believe you can go to nazca.org. No, you can't. You can't go anywhere to that. Where do you go? tldp.nasca.org, hosted by the National Association of State Chief Administrators, which for anybody who's human and not in s- state government, that kind of means the chief operating officers of the 50 states. So if you work in state government, come along. If you work in federal government, well, you're probably in D.C. You can look through the windows, but you're not invited. <laughs> That's another thing. Okay. There we go. The next section is yelling at clouds with Scott and Ace. Oh, this is my favorite. Yeah, but, but, but as we get to clouds, do we need a sting? Do we have a sting for clouds?
1: We do now. Yeah, okay.
0: So. <laughs> that was mi- awful. I love it. I've missed this. It's so good much. to be back. So there was, um, I was interested in your view of this. So a few weeks ago, Virgin Atlantic ran a flight that was entirely staffed by black team members, black pilots, black flight attendants, black ground crew, all of it. Um, That's cool. I, so I looked at it and I was like, yeah. And then I came back to it and I was like, oh. And then I looked at it again and it's, I was like, so it was just a, well, So I uh, Then I thought a couple of things. First of all, I thought, this is quite cool. Like, my second thought was it's a reminder of how rare it is for people of my complexion to be in a minority, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, of course I've been in this situation, but it's, it's, it's occasionally rare. in the United States, um, and obviously, often when I've been d- doing work in Africa, but but in in the US or the UK is just exceptionally rare. <laughs> my third thought was, I really hope just by coincidence it had a lot of really racist passengers <laughs> on the flight <laughs> who were just like <laughs> fucking traumatized. I don't know my, if this flight's my, gonna make it. But then I was it. like, that's ridiculous because that would have been a tense flight. I just hope they had a lovely flight, and I thought they had a. I hope they had a great party when they arrived in. I think it was London to Atlanta. That was.
1: Oh, that's that. brilliant, and that's just kind of interesting. Yeah. I dig that. Yeah. I dig that a lot, actually. And yeah, I like it. But so, just stay there because we ta- imagine yeah. being in the clouds, right? Because yeah. we're yelling at clouds. <laughs> this,
0: is the, this is the weak link to this.
1: That's terrible. So also,
0: what I've also noticed <laughs> is when we relaunched the podcast. Uh-huh. So let's just be clear what we do. We launched a podcast that wasn't a podcast uh-huh. as a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it gets, then it gets likes. Yep. Then we say we need to take a break because now we have to do it properly. Yeah. All we did by doing it properly was to put the rubbish we, we talk about into sections, mm-hmm. but then we just manipulate the sections to make it about what we wanted to talk about freeform anyway. Yeah. And then we do, just took three weeks off without telling anybody. Mm-hmm. So if, if anybody would like to launch their own podcast, essentially track what we've done and do the opposite of that, yeah. and you'll be set. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyway, so can you imagine like on the plane, because I think you'd be in the clouds before you noticed. Yeah. Yeah?
1: Like, before you, like,
0: properly put yeah, all of it. Yeah, because you'd be yeah. like, oh, the, the flight attendant's in my cabin or all And then I'm I'm imagining, I'd love to yeah. have seen your face. I'd love to have, like, put you on that flight. I don't know the why. The thing is,
1: I'm not sure I would have noticed. I, and not, like, the flight crew, like, on board, sure, but you don't really notice who's moving the plane yeah. out of the gate, who's doing the jet bridge, and, you know, who's backing the thing out. Like, most people don't think about it. And so... Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I think there is a principled piece here, but it's not that it's, like, wildly visible to the passengers of the plane. Yeah. Uh, I, I have no idea what color the pilot is until, like, the end of my flight when they're standing in the <laughs> door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of traveling to yeah. places, I was going to yell at hotels. Okay. Um, uh, the line I wrote is, bad sleep in clever hotels. Uh, so uh, I I am at a certain age, I'm just passed a birthday, and uh, I've started like suiting up for sleep. I put my <laughs> mouth guard in, and I like get my. Do, do, why is everybody laughing at me? I, <laughs> I get my water bottle, and I just like I tuck in, and you know the pillow between my knees, so I don't you know roll over. And I sometimes earplugs, and sometimes the 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 eye thing. Like, I, do you really though? yeah i've got like a several thousand dollar mouth guard that goes in my mouth because of sleep apnea and but uh, do you do
0: all the other like things
1: it's sometimes like it but at least the mouth guard okay like that's the bare minimum everything else just adds the water so (laughs) actually just the mouth guard and the water bottle actually just yeah i so yeah i suit up it's a whole thing and (laughs) I notice when my sleep has not been, like if the fan's not on, or if like one of the lights in the other room is on, it all starts to disrupt how well I sleep. And when I'm traveling, the thing that is most infuriating is the alarm clocks in every room, the ones that are really bright, and they're all different, so you don't really know how to find the dimmer, and when you're ready to go to sleep, and the lights are off, and you realize the red light is just like glowing in the corner, it's the last time that I want to like pick an alarm clock up and study it so I can dim the freaking light. So what I end up doing is just turning it on its face. <laughs> so that so, so whoever cleans my room after I leave various hotels, they won't know that this is the case consistently, but they will always find an alarm clock just face down on the nightstand next to the bed because it disrupts my sleep. And at this day and age, I don't know who actually sets the alarm clock in a hotel room. So I think we should do away with alarm clocks in hotel rooms because they disrupt my sleep. And I don't think anybody uses them. And that's purely anecdotal and selfish. But it's my cloud that I get to yell at.
0: There we go. How's my face right now? (laughs) I'm not going to answer that question, Scott. (laughs) So look, I, I occasionally have the misfortune where I have to stare at an audience while you are speaking. And there are often a significant number of women who are smoldering in their attention towards you and now i'm just going to send them the link to that clip and say you might want to reflect on that whatever dream you're having i want you to imagine him in his sleep suit with his cucumber eye patch and (coughs) it's a sexy mouth guard that's wild yeah sleep's a fascinating thing isn't it i I also like the absence of problems with sleep i have had problems with sleep briefly i my my
1: going to bed routine is (laughs) lay down and go to sleep (laughs) yeah you're like a robot though you're just yeah, yeah yeah You you are at home what I am on a flight, either yeah. working or asleep.
0: Yeah, yeah. I actually sleep best on flights. It's it's crazy. I actually don't think of it like when I put my phone in the recharging stand, I then think of me putting myself in the recharger. <laughs> like that's that's what a bed is to me. Okay. Wild. I think we should save our rants about the virtue of early morning versus late night yeah, for fair. next week. But I'll cue that. So we're gonna talk next week about the virtue of early morning rising versus late nights and late mornings. And if you have an opinion about it, I'm sure you're gonna let us know because we're now coming on to our new section, questions from our, parentheses, enormous audience. Ah. Yeah, listen to questions. So it's a new section. Some of these questions are gonna be real questions that have come in, sometimes with terribly disguised (laughs) names to protect the innocent. And then others will have just made up as if they came in and nobody's gonna know the difference. (laughs) So the question for this week, (laughs) Vera's just shaking her head in dismay. (laughs) So the question this week.
1: (laughs) I'm reading this note (laughs) for the first time.
0: (laughs) 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 So so the question this week is coming from Amelie Rin. (laughs) I guess she must be French. Amelie. Amelie Wren. Amelie. and. um, (laughs) And the question the question is seriously one how are you going to say sorry to Hassan Minaj for participating in his takedown? Now you know that the New Yorker did not play fair I don't know if you've seen this, but our last podcast we talked about Hassan Minaj there was a piece in The New Yorker about um, how he had exaggerated and fabricated fabricated sort of issues around Islamophobia for the purpose of comedy and we had both actually broadly agreed that this wasn't right, that a degree of exaggeration was acceptable, you weave stories together and this, that and the other. Well, he issued a statement, it it wasn't a great statement, it was pretty long, but he uh, rolled out and played the, he had recorded the interview Mm -hmm. with the New Yorker Mm -hmm. and presented how they had taken his information out of context, so for instance, one of the things he said was, um, that was picked up in the article was that he had said that uh, he was on the doorstep of the home of his girlfriend, and the family wouldn't allow them to take. It was like homecoming; wouldn't mm-hmm. allow them to take pictures, and that was the piece that was covered that he'd made up. What he then presented was him saying on the interview that it was the week before. Mm-hmm. to the family? Well, if that had been in the article, I think out of being like, yeah, for <laughs> comedic timing, whether whether the whether the um, the Islamophobia was the week before or the the day of the event, I like. Uh, yeah, so, so her
1: mom really did say that it was just a few days before prom. Yeah, I created the doorstep scene to drop the audience in a feeling of yeah. that moment, which I told the reporter. So, um, the New I Yorker
0: th- is standing by its story. It's saying that you know, it, it's listened to it and it is it provided information that was factual. At, that is also true. But back to this book that I keep saying I'm writing and making no progress on of the uh, the manslaughter of context and murder of nuance. I always get it the wrong way around, whatever which way it is. But, but we piled in on this. We, we were did. part of this. We did. We were part of this.
1: I, I was. Uh, so I haven't. I, I haven't read uh, or seen Hassan Minaj's response fully. Um, but a mea culpa feels appropriate. Yeah. Uh, that,
0: that period. So let's revisit tool for tool. So a few weeks ago, you described how to apologize, and it's that you you layer you lay intent first, and then what you did, not the other way around. Yeah. So we don't say. Hassan Minaj, we piled on around something that wasn't factual. We didn't intend to. We say, Hassan Minaj, we did not intend. Well, we did. Oh, we did intend to do harm to his career, though. That's worse. Hassan Minaj, we intended to do harm to your career because we thought you were doing ill. But it turns out that you probably weren't. And
1: I was wrong, mate. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Secondly, uh, I think. Everything we've talked about with world events going on and not having a factual foundation for commentary or posting, I think we fall in that boat as well. Yeah. So
0: We talk about AI generated. This was just clipped. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Emily, thank you for your question. We look forward to future correspondence. Okay. So, Rendezvous, where will you be able to catch up with us next?
1: Uh, I'm here for the next week. Wow. Here, being Richmond. Is, is there Virginia. not a
0: CPA conference happening <laughs> next week?
1: <laughs> I'm sure there is. I just wasn't invited yet. I hope Charlie the AV guy is there though. <laughs> that would make me happy. <laughs> at least one of us has to be represented at the CPA conference. He's not wearing his roadie t-shirt that just says Wes. I <laughs> uh, like that. No, but I am. I, I've actually got gigs in town. Is what it is. So I'm not traveling. Um, I'm seeing a thing here and uh, running a workshop. Hey, talk about Tool Bank. Oh, it's all about tools. Toolbank's an interesting organization. You're doing
0: something for them this week.
1: I am, yeah, yeah. So they're well, they're describe what they do. Their, uh they're having their annual award show and Toolbank is a national organization. Um that it's a non-profit, they have locations across the country, and uh, they make tools available, Uh, they lend tools and um, equipment for organizations who are are doing good. So So. it's like
0: volunteer organizations. So instead of every volunteer organization buying all of its equipment, it's essentially a... A co-op that they share equipment and you rent it out and do those things. It just seems to me like one of those very sensible organizations, which is
1: yeah, this is silly. Why and don't we just share the the other <coughs> cool, really cool piece? So we were talking to um, some of some of the incredible folks at the national organization, and uh, during disaster and through disaster mm. relief, like when people. I think like New Orleans uh, during Katrina, when people's tools were quite literally washed away, they help replace tools to artisans and uh, laborers who who need those to a make a living and rebuild their communities. And so it's uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm seeing their uh, annual award show, which is really exciting. Uh, but as I've just gotten to learn more about Tool Bank, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan.
0: Do you know why? Um, do you know why people know that you've never worked in a restaurant? How's that? Because when you're describing construction workers, you use words like artisans. <laughs> 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 Poor <bastard>. I also <laughs> said laborers. <laughs> I thought you were going with peasants, artisans uh, and peasants. The I peasants need their, their shovels. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> anyway, so you get to deliver a award that is like tool of the year. is that what they're called? Is
1: that what you're doing on Thursday? Uh, unless you'll be there, I'm not handing out a tool award. <laughs> You do with that what you please.
0: All right. Well, this week I'm in Orlando, New York, uh, the Washington, D.C. area. I'm in a government facility somewhere outside of D.C., and Columbia, South Carolina. So if we owe you money, give us a shout. You can trap us there. So as we leave, there was an idea that I read about a couple of weeks ago that I felt should apply to us. I can't remember where the idea came from. So if it's yours, I'm sorry for you not getting the credit. Mm. It was pointing out that William the Conqueror was the first of this line. The first king of England. And that we currently have an heir to the throne whose name is William. And that in 2066, so 1066, Battle of Hastings, the Norman king invades, William becomes this is the the line of the throne, the line of this current monarchy. And so 2066 will be a thousand thousand <laughs> one thousandth anniversary. And what if William declared when he becomes king, he's William the Last, and after a thousand years they just wrap up the whole show. <laughs> I love this idea. I would suddenly become pro monarchy. Yep, you would, a thousand year right. run, and Nailed then it. we're just going to be a republic. And That's we're it. Done. That's it. And for his whole reign through the 2066, he's just known as William the Last. If only ERR could be that consistent.
1: Well, we'll let the folks at home ponder that, and we'll get the hell out of Dutch. I'm Ace Colwood. and I'm Scott Wayne, and we will see you next week, maybe.